This evening's scripture will be coming from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' Moses's assistant, saying, Moses's for saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and go over the Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Thank you, Tim, for reading our scripture tonight, and thank you for being here. We appreciate so much those of you that have come back tonight. We're grateful for the opportunity to be together. We appreciate all who were present this morning. We had a, a great morning. I do want to express appreciation to all of you that prepared food. There, there was an, an incredible amount of food, and uh, I didn't get a chance to eat any of it, but it looked good, and I, I'm serious, I didn't, but it did look good, and I, I appreciate so much everyone that prepared and uh, everyone who was here to support this day. Uh, it was a great day, and we're very grateful for that, and uh, Hopefully and prayerfully, we'll have another great day very soon, but it was a great day. Uh, we appreciate everyone who brought visitors, encouraged people to come, and uh, also we're thankful for those who rededicated their lives this morning. Uh, we want to keep them in our prayers. I want to invite you to turn with me today to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to be talking tonight about On the Road to the Promised Land. In the Old Testament, there are many types or shadows that are a prelude of good things to come. The land of Canaan was a land that was spoken of in days gone by as a land flowing with milk and honey. It was, as you well know, the promised land. And that was the goal of the children of Israel to reach that promised land. Today, those of us who belong to the body of Christ, we too have our sights set on a promised land, don't we? The promised land that we look forward to, that we anticipate, is a place called heaven. And just as the children of Israel of old, as they march toward that great land flowing with milk and honey, we too, by faith, through the eye of faith, look forward to one day being in that land of rest. And so I want us to look at Joshua chapter 1. I think that there are a lot of principles that are applicable to us today as we try to live the Christian life. There are really three very specific things I want to share with you in our study today as we look at this chapter, and really this is a transitional period. And I'll have more to say about that in a moment or two, but I want to begin by noting with you the command to Joshua. And I want you to note with me as we think about this command, a command that had been given by God. It was a sobering time in the history of the Israelite nation. So if you look at chapter 1, verse 1, listen, if you would, to how the book begins. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, and now listen to what he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. 
Now you think about a sobering time in the history of the Israelite nation. Moses had been the great leader and lawgiver of ancient Israel. Moses had been, as we would say, the face of the nation, hadn't he? As a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 34, the Bible tells us that the Lord knew Moses face to face. And so, in terms of leadership, in terms of one that the children would have looked to for authority, this was the guy. For some 40 years, Moses had been the leader and lawgiver of ancient Israel. And now God is saying to Joshua, and not just to Joshua, but also to the children of Israel as a whole, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now there are transitional times in life, aren't there? Now think about it, in the history of the Israelite nation, this is one of the very pivotal transi transitional times, isn't it? You've got a change in leadership. And really what that says to me is that change is a part of life, isn't it? And, and of course, in this context, God identifies Moses as his servant. What a compliment. You know, you think about all the attributes that, that no doubt characterize the life of Moses. But God said concerning this man, and I think he was a great man, God said, he is my servant. When it's all said and done and life is over, will God be able to say of you that you were his servant? That you were faithful in his, servant, in his service? Well, Moses, not perfect, but he was a faithful servant. And so, life, as we say, is filled with transition. And the world in which we live is filled with change. It happens in the church. It happens in various corporations all around the world, doesn't it? In the realm of athletics. You have change always taking place. And yet, despite the fact that Moses has now died, God summons Joshua to step up to the plate, doesn't he? Now, I said a moment ago, it was a sobering time in the history of the Israelite nation. Not only was it a sobering time, but I would say it was a significant time in the history of the Israelite nation. Significant because it is a transitional period. Significant because Moses, this great leader and lawgiver, the face of the nation of Israel, has now died. And God is summoning Joshua to assume that mantle of leadership, isn't he? And there are two things that come to mind here. Number one, Joshua was prepped for leadership, wasn't he? This wasn't by accident. Note, if you would, again, what the text says. In verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Back in Exodus chapter 24, the Bible speaks of Moses and his assistant, Joshua. Do you think that Joshua had the opportunity to be mentored by Moses? To have learned from him? Think about 
the greatness of Moses. And, and Joshua was a great man as well. And Joshua is going to command or lead the children of Israel into the promised land. But he had the opportunity to work, to serve under Moses, didn't he? You remember when the spies were sent out to survey the land of promise? Twelve spies sent out, only two came back and gave a favorable report, didn't they? Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua and Caleb, their mindset, their attitude is, their attitude was, look, we are more than able to go in and take the land. And so, this guy was prepped for leadership. And as I said a moment ago, we live in a day, we live in a day and a time of change. The world is changing. The church is changing, isn't it? Because there are constantly new people coming on the scene. There are old people and there are other people that are passing from the scene, aren't they? So it's a time of transition. And so we might ask the question, what are we doing to prepare ourselves to stand in the gap, so to speak, when others leave the scene? Joshua was ready, wasn't he? A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to preach in a meeting in the southern part of this state, in Waynesboro. And Sunday, they had services in the morning, and then in early afternoon, they had another service. And so we were basically done by 2, 2.30 in the afternoon. So that evening, I plugged in to watch the services that were streamed here on that night. As I sat watching the services that night, and specifically as I listened to Jared preach, and he's not here tonight, so I can say this. But as I and, and listen, I'm being I'm being dead serious here. As I listened to him preach, I thought to myself, you know what? If, if I were to leave tomorrow, this place would never miss a beat. And I mean that. And if it weren't Jared, it'd be somebody else. But what I'm trying to say is we are all replaceable, aren't we? I listened to Jared and I thought about how much he's grown, how knowledgeable he is. And I thought, you know what? He has become a great preacher. And, and so, you know, in one sense of the word, that's encouraging. And we need younger people who are preparing and, and making preparation to serve in the church, whether it be as a preacher, as an elder, as a deacon. Let me tell you what, it, it's a lot easier to cultivate a guy to preach than it is to cultivate a guy to serve as an elder. It, it, it takes time. It takes a lot of seasoning. But there's coming a time when the church here will transition. And so what that says to me is people have to be ready to step up and to stand in the gap, don't they? Joshua was prepped for leadership, but here's the second thing, and I think this is really important. Not only was he prepped for leadership, but he was prepared for leadership. He was ready. When the time came, guess what? He was ready to step up and serve God. Are you ready? 
Are you ready to serve the Lord? Whatever the need may be, would you be the person that could step in and the work not miss a, not miss a beat? Joshua was that man, wasn't he? Now listen to what God said to Joshua. I think about in verse 2, after having said, Moses, my servant, is dead, here's what he said. Now therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon. He said, I've given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as this great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Now, Moses, when you think about the thing that Moses wanted the most, what was that? Didn't he want to go to the promised land? And yet, because he disobeyed God, he was prohibited from entering the promised land. But he got to see it, didn't he? Do you remember back in, turn back with me if you would just very quickly to chapter 34 of Deuteronomy. In verse 1, the Bible says, Moses went up from the plains of Moab to, to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, and listen to this, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Moses didn't get to physically enter the land of Canaan, but he got to see it. And I can only imagine the joy that he felt in seeing that promised land. Now look, God had promised the land to Abraham centuries earlier. And now the children of Israel, they're on the verge of entering the promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey. They're going to enter not under the leadership of Moses, but under the leadership of Joshua. So Joshua was prepped to serve the Lord, to serve as a leader, and he was prepared to serve as a leader. And I want to encourage all of us, whether young or old, to make preparation and to be prepared, to stand prepared, because listen, our time's coming, isn't it? We all, have, we all have something that we can contribute to the cause and to the work. Now go back with me if you would, note in the second place. First we think about the command to Joshua, but secondly, the confidence of Joshua. Now, the enormity of this task, can you imagine? God has promised to give the children of Israel this great land. Moses wanted to go to the land, wasn't able to. And now, upon your shoulders rest 
this great responsibility of dividing the land and leading the children of Israel into this promised land. So what about the confidence of Joshua? I want to suggest to you that Joshua could have been confident because of the Lord's promise. Now I want you to look with me if you would. Listen to him. Listen to what God said down in verse 5. In verse 5, God said to Joshua, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, here it is. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now, I said a minute ago that God had prepped Joshua for service. And Joshua was prepared. For every Moses, there's a Joshua. For every Elijah, there is, a, there is an Elisha. For every Paul, there's a Timothy. It's now time for Joshua to take the mantle and lead the children of Israel into the promised land. But God said, here's what I want you to understand. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Now, think about historically speaking. Could Joshua look back over the past? Could he have seen evidence of God working with and through Moses? Sure he could. Do you remember in Exodus chapter 19, after the children of Israel had come out of Egyptian bondage, and God said, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. And how I bore you on eagle's wings to bring you to myself. Look, it wasn't Moses that did that by himself, was it? It was God. And God is saying to Joshua, he said, look, you need to understand something. Just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Now, would that not inspire confidence? Would that not give you a sense of courage? I can do this. Why? Because God, because God said, look, I was, with, I was with Moses. I'm going to be with you. So I think about it, he could be confident because of the promise of God. But then there's a second thing. He could be confident because of the presence of God. This is a key. Listen again to what is said. God said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And then he said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now just imagine, as I said a moment ago, the enormity of this task. You have just been given an incredible responsibility. The tendency would be to be anxious, fearful, somewhat intimidated, you know, a lot of questions might loom in your mind. Am I ready for this? Can I do this? I'm just one man. And yet God said, you need to understand something, Joshua. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we think about the Lord promising to stand with Joshua. Could I ask you a question tonight? Has God promised to stand with us? 
Whatever work we're involved in for his cause, will he stand with us? Didn't God say through the Hebrew writer in chapter 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you? That's exactly what he said to Joshua. So God is promising Joshua. God is saying to him, look, you need to understand, Joshua, I'm not only going to stand with you, I'm going to stand by you. I'm going to be at your side every step of the way. Now, would that encourage you? You know, you think about some of the tasks that we have in this life and the various circumstances that we face from day to day. Some good, some not so good. Some positive, some negative. Are there joys in life? Yes. Are there frustrations? Absolutely. Life isn't perfect, is it? And you think about the responsibilities and duties that we have in life. But to know that we have a God who will stand with us and by us. Nothing escapes his eye, does it? Didn't Solomon write in Proverbs chapter 15, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good? You know, you think about God is saying to Joshua, he's saying, look, I'm going to be with you now. Drop down if you would and look at verse 9. In verse 9, God said, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. And I would underline, underline or underscore the term wherever. God said, I will be with you wherever you go. Is that not true today? Wherever you go, read Psalm 139 this week. When you get a chance to read the Bible this week, read Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, the psalmist talks about, number one, the omniscience of God. The fact that he knows everything. As a matter of fact, he said, there is not a word on my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it all together. Not only is God omniscient, but God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. And the idea is that there is nowhere that we can go to escape the presence of Almighty God. That's what he's saying in Psalm 139. And God is saying to Joshua, look, wherever you go, whatever task you undertake, you need to understand something, I will be with you. When Jesus gave the Great Commission in Matthew 28, didn't he say, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age? I think about Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul has been arraigned. He's facing death. For whatever reason, brethren who could have stood with him and stood by him and encouraged him didn't do so. And yet Paul said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Same God that stood with Paul, same God that stood with Joshua, he'll stand with us, won't he? Now, there's a third thing I want to share with you. It has to do with the consecration of Joshua. And really there are two, I think there are two very important points to think about. Number one, Joshua was to be consecrated to the word. So listen to what he says. Listen if you would to what he said down in verse 7. God said only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. 
Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. In verse 8, he said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But he said, You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Now, there are a couple of thoughts here. Number one, when we talk about Scripture and the value of Scripture, if somebody were to ask you, why is God's Word so important? There are two basic reasons that I believe God's Word is important. Number one, God's Word is intended to educate us, isn't it? So when Joshua spent time meditating on the truth of God, examining the truth of Almighty God. And and we talk about reading the Scriptures and reading the Scriptures on a daily basis. Look, I think it's important to read the Bible and to read through the Bible. But what God told Joshua to do was not just read the Bible. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to meditate on God's Word. I want you to delve into it, to ponder the precepts, the statutes that are recorded therein. To think about these things. To talk about them. Now, you remember in Psalm 1 verse 2, the Bible talks about the psalmist of old who meditated on the law of the Lord and he said he did so day and night. Do you remember in Psalm 119, 97, the psalmist said, oh, how I love your law. Why? Because it's my meditation all the day. And what God is saying to Joshua is, in order to be properly educated about life and what life's all about, the purpose of life, and to enjoy the intended blessings, you got to spend time in God's Word, don't you? Is that true today? Didn't Paul say in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all Scripture is inspired of God and is what? Do you remember what he said? It's profitable. That's all God's saying to Joshua. You need to stay in my word and you need, to be, you need to be biblical in your life and you need to be balanced. I want you going to the left and I want you going to the right. I want you to stay right down the center line. And so, truth, God's word. God is saying to Joshua, this book can educate you. But not just educate you, but secondly, it will elevate you. Now, you think about, think about people that you know. Some of your friends, some of the people that you work with or go to school with. Some of your neighbors, maybe even some of your, some of your family members. And look around and, and note if you would, some people that you know very closely whose lives seem to be well-ordered, things are well, life is good, and then others, because of missteps and poor decisions and this reason, that reason, their lives are filled with chaos and they've got all kinds of problems. Now, sometimes problems occur because we live in the world and, and the world is fraught with problems. But for many people, the problems they have are self-inflicted. And what God is saying to Joshua is, look, when you'll stay in this book, if you'll stay in this book, God is saying, this will elevate you. 
You will soar like an eagle. Look at, look at what he says down in verse 8. In verse 7 he said, look, if you will observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you, if you don't turn to the right or to the left, he said, you will prosper wherever you go. Look at verse 8, the latter part. After having emphasized the importance of meditating in the law of God day and night, observing to do according to all that's written in it, he said, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. All right, Joshua, you want to be a successful general? You want to be a success and lead the children of Israel into the promised land, fulfilling the responsibility that I've entrusted you with? Here it is. Follow my word. Stay in my book. If you do that, he said, not only will you make your way prosperous, you will have good success. Now, I know in the world in which we live, people define success in a lot of different ways. Real success, genuine success, is living for God, isn't it? Doing what he says. And what God is saying to Joshua is, look, if you'll just follow what I what I say, what I outline in my word, I can tell you what, you're going to prosper and you're going to be successful. Is that not true today? Didn't God say through Paul in Romans chapter 15, the things that were written before time were written for what? For our learning. So if we do what he did, can we derive the same benefits? Sure we can. So, he was to be consecrated to the word and secondly, he was to be consecrated to the work. Now, a couple of thoughts here. Our time's gone. In order to reach the promised land, Joshua and the children of Israel needed two things, didn't they? Number one, it would take faith, wouldn't it? What is faith? Faith is taking God at His word and putting it into action. When you read about faith in the Bible, whether Old Testament, New Testament, the principles are the same. The faith that blesses is always, and I would underscore the word always, it is always operative. So, it would take faith. Now, just very quickly, turn over to chapter 6. You remember in chapter 6, God told Joshua and the children of Israel, verse 2, See, I have, given, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. In order to take the promised land, it would have required faith on their part, wouldn't it? God said, here's what I want you to do. Six days, I want you to walk around. I want you to walk around the walls of the city. On the seventh day, I want you to march around the walls seven times. And then... The priests are going to blow the trumpets. And what's going to happen? The walls are going to come tumbling down, aren't they? Now, historically speaking, God just said to Joshua, okay, okay, here's what I want you to do in order to take Jericho. It's going to take faith, right? All right, so Joshua, do you remember the last time we took a city and I told you to do this? You remember that? Remember when I told you to march around the city six times on the seventh day? We're going to march around it seven times. The priests are going, to blow, are going to blow the trumpets. The walls are going to fall down. You remember that time? There wasn't a previous time, was there? 
No. He didn't have that kind of experience to draw on. So God's telling him from a military standpoint, strategically speaking, okay, here's how the city's going to come tumbling down. Do you not think that would take a lot of faith? I mean, can you, can you imagine you are the general, you're the leader, and God said, okay, here's how we're going to take Jericho. We're going to march around the city six, we're going to march around the city for six days, one time every day. On the seventh day, we're going to march around it seven times. The priests are going to blow their horns, and guess what? The walls of the city are going to fall down. Would it not take faith to do that? Would for me. So it would require faith, but then secondly, it would require faithfulness, wouldn't it? Did God mean what he said about walking around the walls of the city one time for six days? On the seventh day, what if they just walked around one time? Would that have worked? Wouldn't it take faithfulness on the part of the children of Israel and on the part of Joshua for the city walls to tumble down? And then you remember God also instructed them down in verse 17 with regard to the city. He said it's doomed for destruction. In verse 18 he said that they were to keep themselves from the accursed things. He said lest you become accursed from rather lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. Do you remember in chapter 7 making the transition? Do you remember what do you remember what was recorded? Verse 1, but the children of Israel committed a trespass. Achan had taken of the accursed things. As a result of that, he and his family members were stoned and burned. To reach the promised land, what would it take on the part of Joshua and the children of Israel? Two things, faith and faithfulness, okay? So if the promised land was a type of the rest that we anticipate one day, and we are on the road to the promised land, aren't we? How then are we going to get there? What are the ingredients to be successful? Two things, faith and faithfulness. Same as then. You want to go to heaven? You want to get to that land of rest? Then be a person of faith and be faithful. Because you see, the Lord has promised those who are faithful with the crown of life, James chapter 1, verse 12. Tonight, I hope and pray that we are all on the road to the promised land. Joshua and the children of Israel, they were, they were on the road. We're on the road today. If you're here today, and let's just say you're not a Christian, you're not on the road to the promised land, well, what would you need to do? Well, you need to have faith, don't you? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. To obey the gospel, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Repent of your sins, confess His name, be baptized into Christ. Let God wash away your sins, Acts twenty-two sixteen, 16, and then be faithful 
until death. And one day God will place that victor's crown on your head. If you're here tonight, maybe you need the prayers of the church, could we encourage you to come as we stand and sing? Tonight.